Alright lads, this podcast is a member of the Vices of Wrestling podcast and network. Visit vicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcast, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions and updates across the world of wrestling. The second episode, we're doing a full recap, full review of the G1 Supercard, which took place as of the time of this recording, about mm, 10 hours ago or so. Uh, so these are going to be the freshest, the hottest takes. Scorching. Scorching, yeah. Uh, I am here, I'm not doing this on my own. The returning Dave Ryan is here as I'm sitting on his couch. Days of Thunder's own. Days of Thunder's own, Dave Ryan. Dave, how are you? I'll, I'll tell you, Mark, from the kickoff that... Uh... My experience with WCW Thunder aided me quite significantly in some portions <laughs> of last night's programming. Yeah, I think it's fair to say you're going to have um, a, a well-seasoned and mature and just... You have the experience to, to discuss some of the things that happened last night. Yeah, for goddamn sure. Yeah. yeah but otherwise, good. Like my, you've, you've watched a lot of wrestling over the last couple of days. I've watched a lot of wrestling. Like, um, I was trying to talk about what shows I've watched. So I've watched... Family Reunion, mm-hmm. Chikara, Bloodsport, um, Joey Janela's Spring Break, Volume 1, or Night 1, I haven't watched Night 2 yet. We have Night 1 replaying in the background as we're doing this. Um, <clears throat> Black Label Pro, WXW, NXT, the show we're about to talk about. I'm definitely missing some in there. Oh, WrestleCon... The, oh, the WrestleCon Super Show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the WrestleCon USA versus the World Show as well, and uh, a little bits of Mercury Rising. I think that's it so far. So you've just not left... Oh, uh, today we have to watch as well, we're watching Night 2 of Spring Break, yeah. and Orange Cassidy is doing something or whatever, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you've not really left the couch since about Wednesday? Uh, no, like I've, I've actually had, yeah, three of the four days hence that I have had work and it's been tough to, to fit stuff in um, and find the, the dog that may make a cameo. Now, did your partner go on holiday because she knew you'd be just like completely out of action for The weeks? more time goes on, the more I think that that is actually why she went on holiday yeah. Yeah, with her family. She's, she's got a calendar that you're not aware of and it has like WrestleMania well, weeks. We do, you see, we do have our calendars shared and as yeah. I was buying the shows, I was adding them to my calendars. So maybe she did look at last minute <laughs> flights to Barcelona. Yeah, she's like, you know what, it's just, just I'm going to leave them to it. Because she understands that regardless, I was going to be watching all these shows, whether she was here or not. So she may as well get out. I can fully understand and appreciate her going, you know what? I'm going to go elsewhere. Yeah. I did the same thing last year where I watched an awful lot of shows, but um, 
not quite as much as this year. I think I've, well, I don't I've, think done, that, I've outdone my personal best by about four shows well, this I was, year. I was going to say, there wasn't as many shows as there was a lot of years there was I this year. I have to talk myself out of getting about three more. Because <laughs> I have free credits and stuff left. And I was going to get like Blackcraft and a couple of others. Well, I think, didn't I hear like the Blackcraft show was, was pretty bad? Well, there was a crucifixion on it, oh, apparently. Okay. Um, but I was, I was only really getting it for um, Johnny Mundo, David Starr. Okay, right. you know, if yeah. I had the, the spare credits, but I've just I've watched too much wrestling, and I, I've seen some good David Starr matches this week, which ticks one of my boxes for a good wrestling weekend. That was the question I was going to ask next. Uh, so far, um, we'll do a, a, just a quick kind of like top three matches um, on the independent side of stuff, nothing including what we're about to talk about. Um, okay, so number and do they all include Orange Cassidy? <laughs> I. We've watched a lot of Orange Cassidy this weekend, and I'm oh, not some, mad about it. Some would say maybe not enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to watch a whole show about it yeah. this afternoon. But um, number one with a bullet is Minoru Suzuki, Josh Barnett mm-hmm. from um, Bloodsport. Now, that's, I still haven't watched it yet. I've watched a fair yeah. bit of Bloodsport, but I didn't get around to, to that one yet. Yeah, uh, that's a, it's a fucking Stone Cold classic. I went the full five on that. Oh, really? I don't have the five star fear. Wow. I went the full five, and that's the only thing... Had a few four and a half star matches this weekend. Uh-huh. A couple on this show, uh, a couple on NXT. But uh, yeah, this is my first, my first five, my first five of the year, I think. Wow. Yeah. Um, you can check out my. It's a shame that Bloodsport isn't uh, on the, the Grapple app because I was looking forward to giving my first. I think it would have been my first five star on there since Almas and Gargano yeah. last year. I was going to say of all the things this weekend that you made one five stars for. Um, I was not expecting a kind of shoot style works match with Josh Barnett. Josh Barnett. It's Josh Barnett in 2019. God bless him coming out there looking like uh, Alexander Wolf <laughs> uh, from from Sanity. Uh, so, like other matches, we're talking non WWE, non Ring of Honor, New Japan. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I really liked um, Gary J, Jake Parnell from Family Reunion, the main event, the the last man standing match. Yeah, you showed that to me. You seem to be the impression. It was a pretty good match. Like I think for the first show of the weekend, like setting your tone, because a lot of people have really gone out of their way to fucking like proper kill each other on some of these shows, and like that was the very first show I watched all weekend, so it left an impression. Um. But that's kind of like, I, you know, I don't know if I didn't include that in my top three or it's just an honourable mensch. Um, John Gresham, Shigehiro Irie from um, Black Label Pro, uh, Adventures in Wrestling, was an awesome little sprint. Um, so I'd put that in my top three. And then, da, 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 probably... Is it a bit too trite to say Bandido and Osprey? No, it's, also, an, it's an obvious it's an ob- one. Yeah, look, I mean, I, yeah. if something is good, something is good. Yeah, I really liked uh, David Starr and Daga from USA versus the World more than I thought I would because Daga is a really strange wrestler uh, to me. Like I like him well enough, but he just he really needs the right guy, and I, I didn't know if Starr would be the right guy for his style. But yeah. they, they had a really good match. But that's more of an honorable mensch sort of territory as well. But yeah, that's that's kind of some of the highlights. I ran you through a bunch of them, like you have, yeah. Um, so I haven't had a chance to see anywhere near as much um, as you have. The one main because that's the other thing is that like I haven't really digested everything because I've been watching so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. I'm told that I should rewatch uh, bits of WXW I missed because the Lucky Kid David Starr match and the um, 
Bobby Gunn's Erie match mm-hmm. apparently owned. I only saw the end of the Bobby Gunn's Erie match and they were trying to fucking kill each other, so I will watch both of those again. So the one main full show that I'd watched outside of NXT and G1 Supercard was the Rev Pro show from the 4th. Um, which was essentially a road in Madison Square Garden show. Pretty much, yeah. Which, hey, you know, like Andy Crawley knows the lay of the land and yeah. you can't really blame him for that. Yeah, so. but the Dream Factory's on tour, you got to do what you exactly. got to do. Um, nothing on the show was um, blow away, but I will say um, something that I did want to talk about was the, the opening match, which is Jonathan Gresham. And Jonathan Gresham, who's had a very, very good weekend, yeah. he has raised he, his stock and profile. He somewhat. is like, I, I think he's a real wrestler's wrestler. And very like much. a lot of us who kind of watch things probably entirely too closely for it to be considered healthy have loved Jonathan Gresham for quite some time uh, I know our friend Jamesy is like Twitter's leading Gresham advocate yeah. um, and really kind of like harangued me into watching more Gresham which I thank him for in hindsight now um, but, he's but like this a, is the weekend where I think people outside that bubble have started to take notice yeah, and that it's, like, it's not just that he's had a number of different matches and they've been very different Types of matches, yeah, which we'll get to, which we'll, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But, uh, but yeah, it was him and Brooks against um, Alex uh, Coughlin and Carl Fredericks, who are two of the uh, dojo lads out of the LA dojo, yeah, it's been trained by Shibata. And uh, this was a very, very good match, and the the, the two um, young lions really uh, kind of left an impression on me. And I was thinking about the um, you know, the typical New Japan system with the young lions is they uh, have a couple of years they build themselves up and they get to a point where they'll go out on an excursion to north america or mexico or europe whatever and then come back in a year or year or two time with um whatever you know repackaged and we've seen this countless times over the years with the carter um and jay white kind of being the most uh, noticeable recent example um but I was thinking about the fact that because they had the LA Dojo, um, you could easily throw these two into Ring of Honor for um, seasoning and to give yeah. them a little bit more experience. Um, and it, it seems like the, the, the most logical thing to do because you've got that um, North American base for them where they could just get more experience and get more matches underneath them. Um, so I'm hoping that this could, and, and Ring of Honor, and like, this is something that we'll talk about, they could use some, they could use some more wrestlers' wrestlers. Um, you know, they do have a fair few characters, I feel they have that side of their roster down, but they could do with that um, pure wrestling title style type of wrestler, which yeah. they had, they had all the range back in five and oh six well this is the thing like there needs to be i'm not saying you need to reinstitute the pure title tomorrow no no but at the same time having that taste catered to on a show is helpful yeah i would think because the, the people you the legacy fans you want to keep around this is the thing because it definitely you know you're watching this ring of honor show and uh, this this g1 supercar show and definitely, you know, if you were watching Ring of Honor back in 04 or 05, it is it's two entirely different products. It's, it's hard to see, like, more than maybe, like, a small handful of guys who would have uh, not stuck out, like, a sore thumb on that mid-2000s roster. Of the actual Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor guys, a lot of the New Japan guys are like, okay, they, they would fit in quite well. I would like to see them have bangers with yeah. 2006 Joe, you know. But, um, like, short of maybe Big Jeffrey. Like that Ring of Honor roster, like a lot of them, you know. I know, like uh, the, the crash, obviously. Oh five, oh six, like the run of period. You know, they had 
um, a number of you think like Jack Evans is as much a, mm. a character as he as he was yeah. this high flying maniac. Um, uh, but I think I, I, know, I think you could have had like a Dalton Castle who had the character, but also yeah, pre injury Dalton Castle pre injury specifically, specifically yeah, yeah. But he is you know an accomplished uh, amateur wrestler, mm. so he could have fit into yeah. to, to that background. But we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, the Riff Pro show was was pretty good. Um, Ishii and David Starr was oh. Uh, Worth checking out. Yeah. Um, I think I, I I haven't seen their first match, but I'm I, I I'm told on, it's, huh? I haven't yeah. seen it, but I'm, I, I'm told it's better. Yeah, uh, and Suzuki and Zack Sabre Junior uh, defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi and Will Osprey. Osprey got a bit bloodied up in this match. Got his nose broken five minutes in. Yeah, which and then wrestled under fifteen, and also then wrestled against Young Jeffrey the next night. Yeah. so fair play to uh, Young William. Uh, but this was a you know. As kind of part of course for a road to show, nothing completely you need to get out of the way to see, but a, a serviceable uh, kind of warm up taster for sure the next night. If you had time to kill or you're inclined towards Rev Pro shows in general, you could do a lot worse. Yeah, and it went by pretty quickly as well. Yeah. Um, um, I wouldn't say it's worth going out of your way to get on fight. Like, you may as well wait for it now to go up on Rev Pro's on demand. Mm. Um, I like. I wouldn't say there's any desperate need for you to to check it out immediately. Save yourself a bit of money if you already have Rev Pro's on demand service. You know, uh, yeah. So that's uh, most of our kind of pre Mania, pre G One Supercard um, content that we've watched. Uh, the only kind of news from last week to talk about: uh, Tenil Dashwood did not sign. Uh, or did not really you ran her out of the territory I know right, right? yeah <laughs> she must have heard first week's show and, uh, and, and I'd say not five minutes had passed after that news broke then uh, Alan Forel got on Twitter pinning the blame on you entirely yeah yeah. so she has not re-signed a contract so she's now a free agent uh, kind of a weird one um, she came in with quite a bit of fanfare she was one of those uh, th- there was that that weird period in WWE, um, pre-women's evolution, but definitely kind of post-Divas at that point. It was point. the, uh, what you call the give Divas a chance period of Absolutely. time. And she was one of the women that kind of got lost in the shuffle. Um, one of the more underappreciated talents of yeah. that period. They gave her an absolutely, like, death gimmick for a long time. And, like... By the time she came back on the roster as what NXT fans affectionately called Evil Emma. Yeah. It was, I think it was, there was no kind of clawing back. That no. kind of stink of the previous kind of weird dancing gimmick had stuck on her. I know, I like her association with Santino. I, I like the Evil Emma gimmick. I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed when yeah. she went back down to NXT. That worked for me. No, it was great in NXT, but I think when she went up to the main roster, oh, yeah. the main roster fans just couldn't, yeah. like, change their impression. Um... So, yeah, so she went to, to Ring of Honor and um, there was the whole uh, implementation of the Women of Honor division and it definitely seemed that she was going to be someone that that division would be built around. Now, yeah. there were kind of circumstances. She, I, she had an injury. She had the... Really bad neck problems. Yeah, and she had like a skin condition from... I remember seeing on Instagram posts. So, part of it is just kind of unfortunate timing. But her inclusion into the, the whole lifeblood... Thing, which really you can kind of look at any uh, member of that stable and say 
Better inclusion seems a bit weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most, like, pull names out of a hat stable. And that's in a company now with Villain Enterprise as well, which is a real random fucking grab bag. But I think, like, as we'll talk about, Brody and PCO, like, as we've seen them work, you're like, oh, okay. But, okay. They also, but, they also like, had the thing where, I remember they had a... I think they had like a one-on-one match. So they had an encounter in um, PWG where they just fucking... Well, I say they killed killed each other. PCO killed himself. Uh So you can at least... There's a kind of a backstory of like, well, they're really good at beating shit out of each other, so they should be a tag team. But yeah, Dashwood into the whole lifeblood thing. That whole thing's just a a mess, which we'll probably talk more about. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so she hasn't resigned, so I could probably see her in AEW at some point. That would surprise me. That would seem the obvious. Yeah. Well, I mean, Impact have been signing up female talent. And you know, so. I could see her going back to the, the Fed if, like, her... It depends on her, like, how bad her neck actually is, whether she passed medicals. But it's not... I'm going to go let that dog in. You go let the dog uh, in. But, yeah, I could, like... She can pretty much write her own check. Like, I'd say there'd be nowhere that would be unhappy to have yeah. her. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, while Dave goes and lets young Toby, or sorts young Toby out, um, we'll start with discussing this G1 Supercard. Um, so, uh, we've looked at... Well, I've seen tweets since last night, um, and it looks like the show was a full sell-up, uh, 16,000 and however many extra. So, uh, in terms of like the presentation and the production, I think this show was, uh, was a home run. Uh, I think it would be fair to say, Dave, that just in terms of just how this show looked overall... You know, if you wanted... Because one of the things that people have discussed with Ring of Honor, um, kind of in the HD period and going further further forward, is that the production sometimes has been a little bit iffy. Um, I think over the last year or two, the production qualities has improved. Yeah, if one thing can be said for the Sinclair Sinclair era, Mm. positively, it's the the slow but steady progression of the, the quality of presentation. Yeah. Uh, but I think that this show overall, I think in terms of the production, uh, was a home run. I think yeah. the audio quality... It looked big time. It looked big time. I think that the uh, the sound control, the audio quality of the commentary against the um, audience uh, was, was balanced evenly. Yeah. Now, there was no taxi cabs for Will Ospreay to do flips off of. So no. That's, that's lost a star for the whole show. No, but in fairness, he doesn't even need a, a taxi cab. You can just give him the ring and he'll do just as good of a job. Mm. Okay, I'm just going to jump straight to it. Yeah, please do. I just want to talk about it. Tear the band-aid off. Alright, so, there was the four-way tag match, yeah, um, which had uh, G.O.D., uh, Villain Enterprise, uh, Evil, and Sonata, and who's the other team that I'm missing? Briscoes. Briscoes, there we go. At the end of the match... Uh, there's kind of ruckus going on um, at the side of the hard cam. And the, the periphery of the hard cam yeah. as, as G.O.D. are celebrating. And you can tell that the you can tell that the crowd are Toby. <laughs> <laughs> the crowd are Toby. You, Toby come here. You've you've distracted me with a dog. Yeah. Okay, Toby. Okay. Um, yeah, so you can see that the crowd are distracted by something. Yeah. And you can tell that there's something not kind of right going on. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't see straight away. I saw a, a mop of blonde hair and immediately yeah. went, that's fucking Enzo. 
Yeah, that is. And pretty much at that same moment, I saw a tweet from someone in the building. Yeah. Uh, now, my first thought was that okay, he's done. I can't remember which show it was last year. I think it was just a Raw that yeah. he turned up at last year. Yeah. Uh, and got it was the Raw after Mania because it was the. Because it, it, seemingly it was the same woman, or no? It was, sorry, no. It wasn't. I don't think it was the wrong. It wasn't reason. because it was just a. It was so <laughs> the commonality. The reason I was thinking of it, it was the same woman who attempted to tackle Gronk that time. Yeah. Who tackled him? Excellent. But she's a WWE yeah, yeah, security yeah. person. Like, yeah, you don't fuck this her. week that she is just she was the same person that did both of those things. Yeah, you you don't fuck with her. This yeah, is what well, she's willing to tackle fucking Gronk like. Yeah, I mean Enzo. I mean, who the fuck wouldn't want to tackle yeah. him? And actually, no, I wouldn't want to go anywhere near him. Yeah. Um, he looks like he'd be sticky. Yeah. <laughs> I, I imagine there's a certain musk. That, you know, yeah. Um, but I, I immediately, I drew back to that and thought, oh God, here's Enzo trying to stir up some attention for himself because he was pretty much just absent from all aspects of, of WrestleMania weekend. Quite good. Really. So, But he wasn't alone, man. But he wasn't alone. No, he was joined by um, Big Cass, Colin Cassidy. Um, which, okay, I, I mean, still, maybe a chance that this is just them trying to make a name for themselves, and yeah. um, I can't imagine, I, I would pretty imagine, pretty much imagine that WWE have them just completely, like, you know, a ring in a band at this point. Yeah. Uh, not really going to be the case for any other show. You wouldn't think you would need to, anyway. No. <laughs> now, we're still pretty early into understanding exactly what this is. Uh, yeah. said we're only recording this about 10 hours removed from that show but it looks like this was a kind of a, a worked shoot invasion yeah. type the, the biggest red flag uh, giving away the farm that it is in fact a work being that uh, Ring of Honor retweeted a tweet about it I mean <sighs> you would think if it was a legitimate case of they wanted to it, it really happened and they yeah because they end like it didn't they wouldn't have like the way they look I have a lot of problems with this, not least the personnel involved. Uh-huh. But what I will say is the camera, the way the camera operated to try and not show them while letting you know something was going on yep. was quite well done. Yeah, and you had like commentary because they had the camera on. Yeah. Now I think they left the commentators like drowning for way too long. Yeah. Uh, that, that's when everyone started to sense there was something rotten in the state of Denmark. And possibly, I mean, the thing with these types of angles is like, Who's in on it? You yeah, know, you'd hope that they would have informed the commentary. Smartened up, yeah. But um, it, you can never know. Yeah, and, and I doubt we'll be told any time soon. Yeah. But yeah, so it would appear Enzo and Cass. Enzo and Cass are going to be feuding with some combination of the Briscoes and Bully Ray. Now uh, I've, I've seen a bunch of tweets. I've seen stuff from Joe and Rich and uh, elsewhere saying that you know this is hundred percent. This is just uh, therein, and this is nothing to do with Delirious. This is from higher up. Yeah. Now, from what we've read about, is that uh, a lot of this comes down to Bully Ray, and however much of it is to do with Enzo and Cass can be discussed but he was there as part of this whole thing he ran down to, to engage with them yeah but considering we also had uh, Velvet Sky on this show oh, and Angelina Love and Angelina Love but more importantly Velvet Sky yeah, because yeah. Bully Ray and Velvet Sky are a couple and nepotism is one of the key element cornerstones of the professional wrestling industry sure is um 
I would be led to believe that, sure, he may have had his hands in this and that he has a, a significant amount of influence in the company. Now, which is fucking wild in 2019. <coughs> Good stuff, Toby. Now, I remember last week I was talking about how um, I thought that Bully Ray was, you know, kind of knew his stuff and he was pretty smart. And we'll talk about you his match as well. You, we'll talk about his match as well. And it's like, you know, he won't go out there and overstate his welcome. Well, I was wrong on all fucking accounts, apparently. <laughs> yeah, you fucking are. I'll put my hands up to that one. <laughs> I'm just going to get rid of that ball. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm going to do. You keep talking. I will keep talking. Um, Alright. <laughs> I, just, I just don't even know what to say. Like, why would you... Why? Alright. Why okay. Would I, why would I give the dog the squeaky ball? Well, there or? is that, yeah. Alright. Enzo has, you know, a bit of notoriety. I think that's fair to say. Notoriety is a very generous phrase. But I don't <laughs> Infamy know... Infamy would be closer. But I don't know why you would want to bring that into your company. I could yeah. even remotely understand if he was an incredible professional wrestler. But now, I, we could discuss... Why the reasons they don't have Michael Elgin back in Ring yeah. of Honor? But um, and, and I think, like I, I said to you when we were on our way to get lunch before this show, that like, so say for example with the Briscoes, mm. who have said, shall we say, a dicey thing or two in the past. There's yeah. a couple of public statements of theirs that are less than ideal, to say the very least. And you, you may say like, there is a devil's advocate argument to be made. Like, well, they're still over in Ring of Honor and they still deliver good matches. So if you're somebody who doesn't really care about the morality of the things they're saying, you could go, well, the juice is worth the squeeze. We keep them on the show. Yeah. Um, the, with these guys, it's, it's not worth the shite you're going to catch because Enzo and Cass are shit. Like, they're shit. Yeah, in terms of, like, the complete opposite of what you would want in Ring of Honor yeah it's Enzo and Cass yeah there is no honor <laughs> there, no, no Jesus so I just I don't know like I, I was watching that thinking well that's it that's the honor roll we, we're ending it with episode 2 you know yeah, yeah. Um, there were a couple of points in this show where I looked over at you and I was just like you have no idea what you got yourself in for no well I was hoping but that... then who could have predicted that on the night where it's like you know the arguably the biggest night in the history of Ring of Honor that they would so dramatically and deliberately shit the bed <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of the decisions we, we talk about on this, the Enzo and Cass of it all, the Angelina Love Velvet Sky, all this sort of stuff, it isn't stuff that accidentally happened. It's not like, oh, the electricity went, the stream went dead, technical difficulties, things were out of our hands. These well, the were, electricity go because PCO like, yeah, has oh, charged yeah. itself. So, yeah. These were conscious decisions for the company going forward that presumably because they're on this big show it's like oh if we put this shit on the show people are going to tune in for Ring of Honor TV yeah who and it's, apart from the immediate families of the people involved and it's now there's two things I'm going to say that I'm fascinated to see how this plays out with the television tapings mm-hmm. I can only pray and hope that this is just you know a one month thing where they're going to come in the Briscoes are going to just wipe the floor with them and then we'll forget that this ever happened. Yeah, I don't think that's... I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. But pray tell, we'll, we'll wait and see. The thing that also compounds everything else on top of this is that this is a joint venture 
This was a joint venture with New Japan Pro Wrestling. And... <laughs> Keyword was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but... You have, on one side, Ring of Honor presenting just some real trash North American pro wrestling at points. There yeah. were a couple of highlights in the show that we'll get to. It was like, it, there, was a, there was a stretch of about 40 minutes in the middle of the show that I, I tweeted out at the time resembled like a worst of the Attitude Era comp. Pretty much. Which, yeah. hey, Bully Ray was involved, so it would make sense. Um, but they, they, for me, kind of killed the show at a point. And on the other side of it, you had just New Japan Pro Wrestling presenting what they do, which are these incredible matches. Like, Naito and Ibushi was incredible. Yeah. The main event was incredible. and it's, No bullshit. Just good wrestling. And it only, you know, compounded just how bad everything Ring of Honor was presenting. Yeah. On their biggest show of all time, at the world's most famous arena, with more eyeballs most likely watching them live than they've ever had before. They had a real chance to kind of make a statement, you know, post-elite, post uh, the mass exodus of some of their bigger names. And they just didn't do it. They presented Enzo and Cass instead. And I don't know whether they were thinking that because a lot of people may have been watching the product for the first time that knew about Enzo and Cass. Yeah. But I think everyone at this point is aware of what Enzo and Cass are and what kind of toxic products yeah. that is it's not a well kept secret no so let's get into the show please we started with there's the... enough show to talk about yeah as Tony Deppen wrestles a man with no legs and Joey Janela's spring break <laughs> we started with the 30 man honour Rambo uh, with the winner uh, receiving a Ring of Honor title shot in the near future mm-hmm. which yeah there's another thing we'll discuss uh, Kenny King, who requested to come out first, came out first to uh, a mild reaction yep. at best. The crowd went mild. Now, I will say, in fairness to Kenny King, the building was only about half full when this started. Sure, we'll give him... Now, I'm not saying there would have been a huge amount more noise had the building been packed to the rafters, there, but... There was likely more people there to see him for that than there was when we saw Ryback and Kalisto at Mania 32 in front of about four everyone, people. Yeah, everyone was outside having heat stroke yeah. when the, the, the doors <laughs> broke. Yeah. Um, Minoru Suzuki was number two which makes sense because I mean you want that intro so yeah. he has to be either one or two yeah. um, it was very weird he- hearing the uh, overdub of fucking WCW library rock stock music track 32 and then everyone screaming Kaze Nina Nair uh, in the background that was a bit weird yeah it uh, it, it was jarring to say the least and I said that as they were coming out I was like I bet you they've dubbed this just enough so that you can't hear Kaze Minare but you will absolutely hear the crowd still yeah. saying it and yeah um, then these two proceeded to do pretty much fuck all for the rest of this match until yeah. the end yeah. and I, you know Suzuki I'm not going to blame you him you can't begrudge him I mean come on he's, yeah. he's he's at a point where he's earned the right to do absolutely fuck all so yeah. you know um, I'm not going to go into everyone that was in this match but it was I will say as a whole, a real microcosm of the the evening we would have in store. Little did we know how closely the concept of New Japan putting in some pretty decent name dudes into the match and ROH putting out, for want of a better term, dorks. It, it really did kind of show uh, a lot of... This was more of a harbinger for the evening than we would have expected. Uh, for me, the thing that cracked me up the most was when they tried to do some sort of... Uh, reunion of the dogs, which would be Tetritus and Will Ferrara, 
Uh, which is Tetraitis. Retitis, sorry. Looks like. Yeah. Tetraitis sounds like a skin condition. I mean, you know what? He might as well go with it, because yeah. at this point. Um, and this was meant. So with... people don't care about him to the extent where I. We could have just both kept calling him Tetraitis. You know I don't know if anyone would have noticed. No. Um, but this was met the with. Narcissist. This was met with deathly silence. Yeah. You know, this gimmick is death. Yeah, you mentioned it on the pre-show and I had no idea that he was doing this gimmick. And it's so much worse than you described. It really is, it really is. Because, like, alright, he's in very good condition, fair enough. But he's also not Lex Luger. No. You know. Um, In so many ways he's not Lex Luger. In some ways it's probably for the best. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) uh, We had, you know, the likes of Cheeseburger was in there who didn't really do kind of anything significant. I thought that he would have had, like, one kind of massive elimination to... Uh, I thought they would have had more interaction with him and Liger. You'd have thought that. But then, like, when Cheeseburger got eliminated, Liger just stood there watching him get eliminated, yeah. which I thought was weird. I thought he was going to come in and they do, like, a double Shotei like or something like that. Yeah, like, in terms of kind of storyline stuff with uh, the Ring of Honor side of stuff, they didn't really do much. You had... The, oh, but you did just, have... Ring of Honor storyline stuff was, here's some dudes. Yeah, like. yeah. Uh, but they had, like, Shingo and Show. They went kind of straight at each other. Um, Can we talk about Shingo's shoulder tackle on Gresham? Yeah, yeah. He fucking killed him! Gresham was in the ring for what, 0.5 seconds? About that. And Shingo, like, almost literally went through him. I feel like Gresham, like, says something backstage that Shingo was just like, right, you fucked up. It was. I howled. That was was my highlight of the match, by far. Uh, but it came down to um, oh, by the way, King Haku was in the match. And yeah, I was convinced. Hook I for fucking ever. I was convinced either Haku or um, the Great Muta. Oh yeah, by the way, Great Muta was in this match. Yeah, I was convinced one of these two was winning on what I mentioned last week, being the Iron Sheik ruling. Yeah. and I was fucking convinced yeah. that Great Muta was winning this at that that point. Um, but we came down. Oh, and uh, uh, Toriano was in commentary, which. Yeah. I top draw. Yeah, so Toriano came out and um, he was halfway to the ring and kind of paused and then went back and it was a bait and switch. Cole Cabana was in well, as well. Clearly, he was on his way to the ring and went, you know what? I don't need any fuckers. Yeah, so he swapped with Cole. But then he got in anyway and Kevin Kelly in commentary was like, I've had word from the office. We're just going with it. There's 31 men in this Rambo now. <laughs> and you know what? I'm fine. Which is man. the most Yano thing in the world. It's just the office kind of just... Almost like Yano himself just shrugged. Yeah. It's like, like, okay, you know what? We've got one clusterfuck this weekend. We might as well yeah, have it. It's just like, look, Yano's not winning. We might as well let him have his moment. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Uh, but I always appreciated that um, Riccoboni and Colt were, were kind of saying, you know, kind of simple English words of him yeah. and he was responding back Can I just note as well that, like, we will say a lot of bad things about things that happen on the show. Uh, from a presentation point of view, one of the best things about the show was the commentary. Yeah. Commentary was consistently good throughout. Like uh, Rick Abani and Colt are like a quite an underrated t- uh, tandem on mm-hmm. commentary. Uh, and the addition of Kevin Kelly, like at points, I was worried because there there were various stages in the show where there were five men at the booth because Chris Jarrett was there but didn't really say that much. Like he, he doesn't really he kind of like there for translation. Yeah, he's there for translation, so he doesn't really say that much. But like there were points at which like Manny Leon was out there as well. Or Caprice Coleman and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, I, I was saying of all the WWE tropes to take on, the four-man booth what, is what not is it? what. What is it with fucking these three and four-man booths? Like, no. I don't get it. 
What was what's wrong with a simple? Here's your color commentator. Here's your playback. Yeah. You know, you you don't need any more than that unless it's a translation thing. Yeah, I, I get it then. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I, at no point did it really feel like anyone was kind of stepping over anyone. It was no. the commentary was was solid. Yeah, uh, and and that is one of the things we bring a lot of. Um, and I felt for them because they had a fucking. Jesus, they had a job trying to sell some things on you on yeah. commentary to, on this night, you know. Yeah, but uh, Rick, Rick Abani and um, and Cabana are one of the better commentary combinations out there. Yeah, um, yeah, but it came down to the kingdom, the fucking kingdom, yeah. and Muta and Liger. That was yeah. your final four. Yeah, the kingdom. And a couple of years ago, you're like, okay, because the kingdom probably would have been Adam Cole and Mike Bennett, you know, which sure. like sure. Oh, we're over uh, at the yeah, time yeah. like not Vinnie Marcelli and TK Orion yeah. like just like ugh. fucking C tier low rent Viva La Bam knockoff and, and oh, I, I went off on one during this because they hit a move called the House of a Thousand Corpses <laughs> which I, I was not aware of and I was like you're doing a Rob Zombie gimmick in 2019 my god now in fairness it's a cool move yeah look I, I have no disagreements with the actual move itself there were just a couple of things about the, this show, and we'll, we'll get to a couple of them throughout, where I'm just like, what a fucking rinky-dink bullshit is this? Fucking Rob Zombie, I ask you. Rob Zombie, even in 1999, would have been yeah. kind of... Yeah, yeah. But uh, but Moo and Liger, they, they bump out the kingdom, and we think that, cool, all right, we're going to get this legendary moment with Moose and Liger, and then who the fuck should come back into the ring... Kenneth of Kings. Kenneth King comes back in, eliminates both the Great Muta and Jushin Thunder Liger in one to of the, the more... And it wasn't even heat he got. It was just, ah, fuck. It that, was, was, that was the reaction of the crowd. It was, uh, how fucking dare you? Or um, the, the famous Jim Ross with a higher power. Ah, oh, son of a bitch. Like yeah. that, that was pretty much... But yeah, Kenneth King uh, is your... To some degree, a, a number one contender. I'm not going to say the number one contender for the next title shot because yeah. we'll get to that. <laughs> um, and then after Muta uh, missed King, and I mean, this was no better or worse than any of the New Japan Rambos we've had over the last couple of years at yeah. Wrestle Kingdom. So, and and also no better or worse. We got to see a Muta entrance. We got to see Muta hit the like dropped an elbow, yeah. which I didn't think like he so much as even think about going down to the mass. He, I will say as well that uh, this was no better or worse than uh, this year's men's men's or women's rumble actually yeah. thinking about it so uh, this existed yeah. uh, I would have given it to Ishii but what do I know yeah. anyway so and obviously one of the things I like about it as well is that obviously at one point they started speeding up the inter- like the interval between entrances. Oh, we were like, like thirty seconds. They were like, "Oh fuck, we're gonna blow through the the whole pre-show," but then they sped it up so much that they actually ran nine minutes short, and they had to just kill the stream for nine minutes yeah. before the fucking pay-per-view started. I'm pretty sure we were about thirty seconds down to about twenty-five. Yes, yeah, it was brilliant. And it was like, well, and like the first one was easily a minute. There was one where like Delirious came down, ran around the ring three times. And it was and already down to five. <laughs> you know, but. Fuck it, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, to open up the show properly, we had the uh, uh, title for title, IWGP Neverweight Championship, uh, Ring of Honor TV title championship, uh, Jeff Cobb and Will Ospreay. Mm. Uh, we said, and I think it doesn't come as a surprise, that this would not even been a sleeper match. This had a chance to be one of the better matches on the show. Um, Jeff Cobb is one of the uh, kind of highlights of Ring of Honor at yeah. the moment. Been on a tear. Been on a tear. Uh, he's... TV title run has been 
good fun. It's just real, like, taking someone um, and, and putting the old rocket strap on them, uh, which is what they should be doing. And they have a couple of people like that at the moment. Uh, this, I mean, fucking... <laughs> the first three moves that Osprey does in this match... <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was a shooting star press. There was a space. It was oh, what was that? There was a Spanish fly. Spanish fly. Space, space flying tiger drop, and then a shooting star shooting press something. for like a barely a two count. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're just like, all right, That's okay. Peak Will Osprey. Yeah. Uh, Cobb does a pounce that sends Osprey fucking <laughs> into the fucking next postcode. Yeah, uh, Osprey nearly kill. I, I will say this as well. Quite a few occasions on this show where uh, the front row, uh, the front part of the audience, nearly got killed. Or did. Or yeah. did. Yeah. Uh, there was a ladder, there was Osprey, there was uh, Ibushi, went f- got flying into the front row. Yeah. There were points during this night where the crowd either literally or metaphorically died. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this was awesome. This was, like, I, I went straight four stars on yeah. this. Um, there was a great moment where um, Jeff... Cobb got Osprey up and threw him at the turnbuckle. Osprey caught himself on the turnbuckle yeah. and flipped back and, and did an, uh, an Oscar. Yeah, yeah, an Oscar. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. He caught him in the Oscar, like caught him almost upside down. Yeah, fucked him into the turnbuckle and he just rebounded back and hit the Oscar. It was that's probably the best Oscar spot I've seen in a long time. There was a lot of times where Cobb was just kind of picking him up and just like it's just over there. Off. Yeah, yeah, be Get gone. The fuck away from me. And this is. This is the Jeff Cobb. This is the best Jeff Cobb. This isn't Jeff Cobb like, you know, he's an unbelievably athletic guy. He does his, um, like, running, shooting, star press, which a man built like luggage shouldn't be able to do. Uh, it's all very impressive. But the best Jeff Cobb is pissed off throwing people around Jeff. It's Matanza, like, yeah, yeah, from yeah. Lucha Underground. Like, he, it's just him doing, like, big power moves and bullying the other guy. And, that, and that's what you got here. He was just like... He was he was so up for this match, and that's what Alan said in our preview show. Is like when you get the right guy that just wakes Cobb up, he's on he's on another level. Like. Yeah. Uh, so this ended with a super tour of the oh islands. my god, <laughs> like he turned that motherfucker inside out. A, like, a super is... tour of the islands followed by a, a regular tour of the islands, which <laughs> yeah. in itself a more know. scenic tour of the islands. Uh, and Jeff Cobb is your new never open weight champion uh, which a surprise I would say I didn't call that yeah, I, went, no. I went completely the other way I think we all kind of like I, I said I didn't know I could see it going either way but if you had like if you had to put a gun to my head I would have said Osprey just because the booking of Osprey trying to get him up give him his heavyweight credentials and presumably get him into that heavyweight division at some point in the future Dropping the title didn't seem like a thing yeah. that was going to happen. I'm curious if he'll be in both Super Juniors and G1. Yeah. I guess we'll find out. That seems like a thing that would be, you know... Would that be a first? or would uh, that be a... I'm pretty sure um, Devitt did it in his last mm. year. I want to say. I think yeah, he did. Yeah. Oh, he might well have, yeah. Um, and, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's happened before. Yeah. But yeah, I think Devitt was the last one I can think of. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is awesome for Jeff. I mean, part of the reason that he signed with Ring of Honor is that this would allow him to do more New Japan stuff. Yeah. Um, and putting the, the Neverweight Open title on him it will help with that. Yeah. Um, and, and certainly Kevin Kelly, like on commentary throughout, was talking about how, like, what a force he would be in a G1 and, mm-hmm. and things like Wouldn't that. Wouldn't he like, just? Yeah, yeah. That was definitely, it seemed to me like... If I'd actually been thinking about it during the match, I probably would have said that the commentary seems to be setting up Jeff Cobb's credentials as a kind of 
uh, a more regular presence in New Japan going forward. Yeah. So, but but great match, great match, and definitely. I mean, out of the two, um, this is a plus for for Ring of Honor because yeah. um, you know out of the two, Jeff is the one that is is more of a mainstay in Ring of Honor. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure they're happy to keep the TV belt on him. This was one of the only, or maybe the only, big win for Ring of Honor on this show. Well, I mean, we also had after this, we had Roosh and Dalton Castle. Which was probably exactly what it needed to be. Pretty much. Given what we had said about the physical condition of Dalton Castle. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I would have been curious just to see this from just a, a Styles Clash kind of perspective. Mm. Like, how the fuck these two would have worked with each other? Yeah, a luchador and an immobile man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and a mobile peacock. Yeah. A couple but, of years ago, this probably would have been a banger. I know, right? So, but Don Castle, he came out with a very extravagant entrance. His which, WrestleMania entrance. Which, it, it's kind of becoming very concerning that the man is becoming nothing more than just an entrance, um, mm. which I hope is not the case, but... I wouldn't say his, his best big entrance I've ever seen. The one where he's out on the fucking chariot all the time was <laughs> probably my, my favourite. Yeah. Um, but this... Uh, it's really not. your big show. Someone should get the big, elaborate entrance. Yeah. Uh, Orange and Cassidy had his flautist at the, at the probably reunion show so uh, but Roosh came out Roosh looks fucking a million bucks yeah. like he he has the look he has the presentation can't argue with any of that uh, match starts uh, Dawson uh, John Woo got John Wood into he got the corner. John Wood he got distracted by one of his own peacocks one of his own fans or feathers yeah, uh, yeah he got John Wood into the corner and uh, he, knees knees in the corner knees in the corner twice um, real like Made it look like, uh, yeah, made it look like Andrade does it at a stroll by comparison. Like he fucking sprinted into the corner and battered him. Yeah, Uh, and Roosh picks up the win in uh, in thirty seconds. Would it? It was nineteen seconds. Nineteen seconds. Yeah, fucking hell. But again, they seem to be strapping the rocket to Roosh, and like obviously Dalton extremely limited. Well, so this is probably. Given the directions of both of their careers, the best thing you could have done. It was not only that, but I mean, Castle's been on a, a losing streak for a while, and yeah. I definitely felt that this was going to culminate with him turning heel. Yeah. Um, just purely out of frustration, uh, which is yeah. what we had. There, was, there was two ways to go, and it was either the heel turn or this was going to be the big win, but given that it was Roosh, this wasn't going to be the case. It was never he wasn't going to get the big win yeah. over Roosh. Um, and yeah, so he, he just battered around his boys afterwards, and I have no idea where we're going to go with this. I, I can't imagine it's just going to be a feud with him and the boys. Um, I, yeah. I'm it will not be good. Uh, no. Uh, but yeah, Roosh picks up another big win. Um, I don't know where he'll go next. You'll yeah. find out from the tapings. But um, it definitely, they're pushing him. They're, he's going to be undefeated for a while. Yeah. Because you know? yeah, like, if the world title match had gone one way, I would have said maybe he's going straight into the world title <laughs> match. But know, it right? didn't go the way pretty much anybody in the building thought it was going to. So... Who the fuck knows? Yeah. But we'll, we'll talk about that more. Uh, after this, we went backstage where we saw that Juice Robinson had been laid out. Yeah. Uh, which... By Nathan Jones. By... <laughs> ha! 
He's finally getting his heat back from being laid out at WrestleMania 19. By the FBI and yeah. whoever else. Um, well, no, it wasn't by the FBI. Nunzio, oh, Nunzio lured him into the shower right. by saying he had his wallet. Do you know what? And then Big Show and A-Train you know what? It's been a him. while since I've watched WrestleMania get 19. Your, get your fucking facts right, mate. Uh, before you don't put that evil on Nunzio. Sorry. <laughs> I'll go listen to Crack Addicts. And- yes. Yeah, do it prepped up WWE's favourite band uh, so next up we had the Women of Honor title match uh, Mayu Iwatani against Kelly Klein Whew. this happened this okay sucked so this is where <laughs> this is where we had a, a good kind of what, 40 50 minutes of the show <laughs> indeed Toby uh, this is where we had a good kind of 40 to 15 minutes of this show that felt like about four hours. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Klein came out with her faux MMA gang. With Fred Yehi. With Fred Yehi. <laughs> just, just Fred Yehi. Maybe they, they actually... Couldn't have fucking put them in the Rambo. Wow. Well, <laughs> like... Um, so this thing... You had went... to get more fucking kingdom spots in. You couldn't, you couldn't get the savage weight in there. This thing went uh, just over 10 minutes. Really, I would have said forty-five, and I think Kelly Klein may have hit maybe one or two moves throughout this that looked anywhere close to resembling, you know, something convincing. It was so bad. It um, was so bad. I have to say, like, when what? you consider how good Mayu Otani is, yeah, yeah. Here's it was shockingly bad. For anyone that hasn't listened to uh, me on a, on a wrestling show before, one of the things that I don't want to do is I don't want to kind of just watch women wrestle. <laughs> Alright, but we stopped that game. We stopped that fucking game. Alright, fuck you. Sorry, that one's for Alan. No, I don't want to come on here and I don't want to belittle uh, anyone that wrestles because no. I'm not a wrestler. Yeah. And going wrestling in Wrestling is hard. It's a, you know, exactly. And How many times during the show did I say you couldn't pay me enough yeah. to be a wrestler? And we're two fucking slobs on the sofa on a Sunday with a dog. With a dog talking about wrestling. So yeah. I'm in no condition to say to someone, you're a bad wrestler. But. With all of that, that said, said, with all of that said, um, Kelly Klein is a poor professional wrestler. Oh. I don't think I'm going out on a stretch no, by saying that. Oh, no, you're not. She hit some of the worst clotheslines I've ever seen. At one oh point, God. one of them was described as a lariat. And I was like, yeah, that's not a right. lariat where like, she may have made contact with her pinky. Yeah, well, and I think her arm was about like around maybe the... Um, I don't know, naval area on Iwatani. Yeah, like, yeah. Nowhere near where the army's going to be to hit a clothesline. Yeah. Uh, she Let was, alone a devastating lariat. She was wrestling in slow motion. Yeah. You could see the fucking, the cogs turning in her head thinking, okay, what is the next thing that I need to do? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this whole thing... It was like a DDP match if DDP had the memory of a goldfish. Constantly, for, like, had the whole match planned out but then would constantly forget what was next. Um... Her, Except DDP was a much better professional. <laughs> like there was a bit where she was putting on some kind of form of a leg lock, and I could just see her like she looked like she had the instructions yeah, to an IKEA your right leg. No, she looked like she had the instructions to an IKEA flat pack, and she'd yeah. read over like, okay, like, so this bit goes here, and like, spare limbs left over. I know. <laughs> um, Zack Saber Junior. She is not. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like I'm being mean here, but like no, it was dreadful. No, it was it was awful. Um, Kaylee finishes off with a power bomb, finished by KE power, which is kind of like a spinning forward uh, Death Valley driver type maneuver. Yeah. That was about the only thing she hit that looked like it had any kind of impact to it. So yeah. hey, she ended on a high. I'll yeah. give her that. 
the crowd were respectful, but I could even The ones feel. that didn't go to the bathroom, because I saw a lot of tweets from inside the building, like pictures of people streaming out during this match. Yeah, um, but the crowd was pretty much just kind of silent by the end of this, yeah. and I can't blame them. Um, yeah, maybe people just left because they were afraid Dan Riker would skip the queue. Maybe. <laughs> But uh, this was definitely not a, a good kind of, again, talking about this show being put in front of uh, an audience that may have been watching Ring of Honor for the first time, mm. in terms of presenting their women's division, in terms of the match itself, yeah. and what came afterwards. Yeah, like, because that's context we need to put to everything Ring of Honor do here, because, like, for New Japan, this is, like, it's cool, we're in the garden, but this isn't, we're not putting our whole, all our eggs in one basket here. For Ring of Honor, this was the chance to go, you need to start watching Ring of Honor TV like in a hurry. These are all the cool things we're doing. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was bad. Uh, this was bad. Speaking of bad. So, afterwards, who came out but Angelina Love and Velvet Sky? Not... Now, the TNA Knockouts division... Imagine there's... Well, you're, you're going to have to review a Kelly Klein Velvet Sky match. The TNA Knockouts division, at one time, when it started, had um, Kong, Gail Kim, and Awesome Kong. And to me, that was kind of like about as good as that division ever got. Yeah. Um, two wrestlers that were part of that division that were never any good were Angelina Love and Velvet Sky. I'm not put that this is not a scorching hot take. No. I'm not putting myself on any kind of pedestal here. This is factually, objectively correct information that they were very they were very bad. And that outside of Kong and Gail Kim and on occasion ODB, the the quality in that division was Yeah. Um So they came out. Now I was reading about and I haven't been up to speed yet, but I know that Madison Rain was in Ring of Honor for a cup of coffee and then left and is back in TNA. Yeah. So seemingly, wrestling. the way this has panned out, I was reading this this morning. Yeah. I think it was the voice, I think it was Richard Joe or tweeting about this. They were saying that apparently getting them in was to appease Madison Rain. She had pitched a beautiful people reunion because she was so unhappy with nothing to do in Ring of Honor. Yeah. And they went, okay. And she fucking split anyway. <laughs> Uh, there's some speculation that maybe the straw that broke the camel's back was that they wanted to put Mandy in with the beautiful people and Madison Rain was like, fuck off. Yeah. Uh, and that was kind of the end of it. But, like, still, that is hilarious. But, yeah, they had Kelly Klein um, kind of square up against Love and... Um, Sky. And Sky. And then Mandy Leon was who was doing commentary. She comes down. Uh, she kind of stands side by side with Kelly Klein. And then she decks her. Proceeds to try it and do any kind of wrestling maneuver. Why do women wear high heels when they know... And Hey, it might not be them. It might be the direction of the producers or whatever, the agents. Yeah. But we had this with... Um, I think I want to say Beth Phoenix. When she had her interaction with um, uh, da, 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 uh, Tamina and... Uh, Nia Jax and she was wearing high heels as well so if you know you're doing any kind of action wrestling activity don't fucking wear high heels that said the man who does the uh, the, the, the the pre-roll on the start of this program won Be Cool I once saw him hit the ropes in high heels and it was one of the most impressive athletic feats really? I've ever seen in my life yeah. right. Okay. he managed to not snap his leg or fall over he hit the ropes a couple of times in fairness well I was concerned about Mandy Leon that she was going to do that exact thing but I think she I think she hit a DDT and yeah. managed to uh, 
not break her ankles, so I'm happy enough for that. But ugh, this whole thing went far too long. Um, and Kelly and again, another of those cases where it's not even worth the pop of them coming out because it was like no one gave a shit. And Kelly, no one gave a shit when Sky and Love came out. They were like. Oh, Kelly Klein is your baby face coming out of this, which yeah, mm. like if she'd had if she'd had like a, a you know a three star match or a remotely baby face performance, either or or something where the crowd came out of this going, all right, fair enough, mad respect. Now I'm guessing that's what Ring of Honor were hoping for. That yeah, they would have that. God, but it's the hope that kills you, Mark. It isn't really it? is. <laughs> so this whole thing was a bust. It was an absolute dud. I think I gave this 0.25 stars. Next up, carrying on this whole block of uh, a very bad portion of the show, uh, Megaran came out. And Ooh. in normal context, I quite enjoy Megaran. I don't want to disparage him. Can we just have this, like, it doesn't matter, regardless of... Now, other than uh, Wheat was playing Teenage Dirtbag, Teenage Dirtbag live during an actual match, yeah. which apparently happened at uh, Spring Break. Oh, spoilers spoilers yeah um, any kind of like break in a show a show that's already got about five hours long yeah to have a musical concert no one's gonna give a fuck about yeah right? you could put Metallica up there playing fucking For Whom the Bell Tolls just as a random part of the game yeah. now, you'd expect Nick Gage to come out afterwards yeah. I felt so bad for him yeah because like obviously he's not gonna say no hey do you want to perform? he loves wrestling it's yeah. like hey do you want to do your song that you did for us at Madison Square Garden. Do you know when they should have done it? At the fucking start. Yeah, the pre-show. No, no. In, instead of no. America the Beautiful. Yeah, instead of America the Beautiful. <laughs> have Mega Ran doing going to the garden. But had it as part of like the actual like the fireworks and the ballet. Yeah, yeah. And the introduction. Pyro and Ballyhoo. Do it then. Yeah. Get it out of the way. Yeah. You know. Don't do it fucking midway. Yeah, or even do it in between two good segments so that it's a buffer to kind of take the crowd down again. Well, I guess you kind the of... The fact that I think what turned the crowd on him so much was that we had just had yeah. horror beforehand. And the crowd were just ready to... Because there was a point at which he goes, Madison Square Garden, give me some noise. And they gave him some <laughs> noise, let me tell you. They felt like it was going to be one of those old WCW shows where they just start throwing anything they can find, like toilet roll and beer cups and shit like that. Yeah. Um, but Billy Ray came out um, because they had... This was playing off of the 17th anniversary angle. Uh, he you know, shoves Mega Ran around. Mega Ran squares up to him for a second, gets whipped with a chain. Um, and then Flip Gordon comes out in... Yeah. Uh, the he got a pop. He got, he, a pop. he got a pop. But just remember, the kayfabe is not dead um, yeah. because everyone had fought, and we said last week that he had fucked his knee up and he'd be out for about six months. Apparently not. Apparently yeah. he's fine. Now he was limping on the way to the ring. I I'm not sure about that. I he looked like he was he looked like he was hobbling a little bit. Well, like, I saw badly, but it was... I saw a bunch of people struggling to walk down that ramp, so I yeah. feel that it could have just been the the. The ramp itself was what was or just because like the road has owned a lot of the people that are going. Well, there is that as well. Uh, but yeah, Gordon was looking uh, good. He was in very good shape. He had new gear, so he, uh, you know, he's someone that they're definitely um, that like, have no choice. They need to give him, you know, all the push in the world. I just my only issue with this is that they were just retreading old ground after the final battle last year when we felt that that story was uh, finished, but. Mm. Shane Taylor and Silas Young come out 
Um, Ooh, apparently the Japanese commentators thought it was Devon for a little yes, while. Yes, <laughs> which, I mean, Devon, you know, I mean, he's probably not in fighting form these days. He's now more comfortable in a suit, but I don't think... <laughs> comfortable is the word. Comfortable, sure. but I don't think he'd let himself that go, bless. Um, this was followed by uh, Haskins and Juice Robinson. Juice not selling his beatdown from earlier, like, in the slightest. Yeah. Um, happy for Haskins, though, because uh, we were kind of like... Where is Haskins on the show? Like, yeah, we, we had knew seen, he was... we had seen the wife was at MSG, so yeah. we knew he'd probably get involved. But I think I was kind of sur- surprised when he wasn't involved in the Rambo. Yeah, and then when Juice got attacked, we're like, "All right, it's a singles match. He's coming out in, in place of Juice to avenge his hashtag lifeblood stablemate." But we we got the six man instead. So we got a pretty standard fair street fight plunder yeah, but, match. Yeah, but I still think that. Uh, Undertaker a, special. The the crowd was still not um, had recovered from the women's no. match. Now apparently there were pockets of the crowd that did enjoy because for the ECW of it all, like, yeah. there was cane shots and Bubba and stuff. Like yeah, that. So yeah. There was. It was always going to pop. That's a kind of match that pops a live crowd a bit with some spots, but I think especially in the context of what had we had just gone through for the previous half an hour, I think for a. A sitting on your couch at home crowd it was a lot harder to palate but I think as well this was the, the match where I was really thinking about everything I've mentioned in terms of okay you are presenting this to, for a good chance to a whole bunch of new eyeballs for the first time yeah. you want to give them as, as kind of authentic and as close to the Ring of Honor experience as possible and you know Ring of Honor's done plunder Ring of Honor's done um, this type of match before yeah but for a start, they've done it better. And they've done it with, like, you know, long ago when they, they used to do these kind of matches, it used to always be, it used to make sense. Yeah. It used to be justified. Yeah. Like, I mean, um, this was just here just because it was an open street fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the other issue is that this went 15 minutes. And this really should have gone... Which was at least 10 minutes longer than it should have gone. Yeah. Uh, we were saying uh, that this needed to go, I think, about seven or eight minutes, we said last week, at max. Um, and anything further than that was just going to outstay its welcome. And I did say at the time that, no, nah, Billy Ray is smart enough and not, I don't think he'd be self-indulgent enough. To well, I think, if, if anything, the show, this show proved how self-indulgent the man is. Yeah. So I, uh, I am out to lunch on that one. I'll be the first to admit. Yeah. Uh, and that ended this 50-minute block of Harry Carey self-sabotage uh, on the likes that I've not seen in a while. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember whose tweet it was. I really wish I could get I wonder, I wonder was it Trevor Dame or somebody who had a, had a tweet that was like, on a weekend where most companies are going, hey, this is a really good show. You should watch us more often. It's nice of Ring Water to go, hey, take six months off. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I, now, obviously, we live in the, the, the wrestling Twitter bubble, but definitely I saw... All the feedback I saw was just like, why would I ever watch this again? And like, honestly, some of the most gen- generally positive people I know on, on in that bubble are among the people who were saying, I like, Alan was saying this, like, this show has ensured that I'm not going to watch Ring of Honor anytime soon. Yeah. And like, it takes a lot for him to sour on. And definitely, definitely with the whole AEW thing, it was just imperative that they hit a home run here. Yeah. yeah. And, they no. didn't. Yeah. <laughs> they did. Yeah. Uh, and it's it like, and I would have thought that you know, 
TNA had shit the bed by having a show that just no one was talking about mm. the other night but turns out no one talking about you is probably better than everybody talking about how shit you were yeah uh, this really should have been Ivan Suzuki or Ichi coming out and killing Billy right in a minute yeah like especially because in hindsight like really what was the point in having Suzuki or Ishii in that Rambo like they, was, did, they did fucking nothing no exactly anyway uh, next IWGP junior heavyweight title match this gave me light. Tajiri Ishimori, Dragon Lee, and Bandido went out there for nine minutes, and they just fucking went balls to the wall. It's one of the best sub ten minute matches you're likely to see. Like Riddle Osprey from Progress is oh. the one that I go to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this the fucking, fucking Gresh Irie match from this weekend, I think, was sub ten minutes mm-hmm. as well. Um, yeah, there's something to be said, especially on these shows, for either a squash or a sprint. They really do get the crowd back up again. And this was so desperately needed. Oh my god. Like, I, I, I don't even know, you know, maybe they did have kind of 20 minutes planned out, but they were like, fuck it, just go 10 and just kill it, you know? Yeah. Um, I, there were too many moves in 10 minutes. I too many moves. I can't go through yeah. all of them. That's what I think the sub said. They did all the moves. <laughs> the main thing that I think we need to talk about was uh, Bandido had both Ishimori and Dragon Lee and did a the um, moonsault fall the, away the moon slam. Fall away slam from yeah. the top rope outrageous pure insanity yeah like complete insanity and Bandido is man's been watching his Bianca Belair tapes <laughs> I know right uh, Bandido is one of the guys when we were talking about this last week that um, he is a real talent and I fear that he's he, only 23 I fear that he is going to get lost in the, the ring of honor roster because they're just not going to know what to do yeah long term they won't know like because they I don't think they will push him to the world title that's what they're going to do with Roosh mm. um, and Jeff Cobb probably so I think like he'll probably end up with the TV title at some point in the, the, the near future or maybe life some combination of lifeblood like him and Haskins will have a tag title run or I don't know but yeah I would worry a bit what the fuck are they going to do with him? Was it less of a, we have great plans for Bandito and more, we don't want AEW to sign Bandito, so we're signing him sort of business decision it was. It's never a bad decision to sign Bandito, but yeah, I would I would like to see some some purpose to what he's doing there. You know, much as this was a very enjoyable match. Yeah. You know I mean, like, again, you have to be selfish on these shows if you're Ring of Honor and you have to like book it in in a way that makes it seem like your stars are actual stars yeah you know what I mean yeah and this was just a plus all round um, and um, interestingly enough Dragon Lee didn't pin Ishimori he pinned Bandito which would lead me to believe horse for the they'll probably do the one on one Hiromu didn't come out Hiromu wasn't on this show at all however Dragon Lee did do his you know they do their the, the New Japan guys do their press conferences mm. So while the show was still ongoing, Dragon Lee did his his press conference and he he had he said he really wanted to win this title from Hiromu. He said, I want my first defense to be against Hiromu. I am waiting for Hiromu. Okay. So if you weren't already convinced that Hiromu is coming back at some stage, whether it's soon or he's winning Super Juniors uh, I think that has all but confirmed uh, the people are going to hear Actually, he specifically said, I am waiting for Hiromu and Daryl. <laughs> We're going to get handicapped matches. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I fucking hope that Ring of Honor look at Bandido and realise like, what a talent they have and for the age that he's, he's at. 
Um, and don't just have him as like a, a fucking feeder, like a, a, a for the stars. You if, you, if you're a Sinclair and you want to be cynical, you could do a lot worse to grab a, a very lucrative part of the TV audience and have Bandido chase Roosh uh. and have two luchadors as your, your top stars for a little while. I'm not saying like permanently guys will revolve in and out of that main event scene. Well, I imagine Roosh like, is definitely their plan in terms of if they're going to yeah, grab the, the big heel market. champion. But like, yeah, the, the Hispanic market is one that we've, like, we've heard for so many years with WWE is one that is just coveted for wrestling companies. And again, you could do a lot worse than a Bandido Rouge program when yeah. when Rouge finally gets the belt. Yeah, but it's just whether they they manage to come up with interesting stuff to do with Bandido in the meantime that doesn't cool him off while they're getting Rouge to where he needs to be. Mm-hmm. And after the show, I have no faith that they will be able to do that. <laughs> but I hope for the best for young Bandido. Um, so they will out an electric chair. <laughs> And uh, I can't remember the, the guy's name that's with PCO. Destro. Uh, Destro, that's right. Yeah. Um, and I, I was having flashbacks to fucking uh, the House of Horror match from like, I think it's Halloween Havoc 92, 93. With, I was uh, also thinking of that, the King of the Ring 2000. Oh, set, sure. Yeah. yeah, with the electrature. And uh, my they, body is broken, my mind is spent, bring me to my throne. Wasn't that the, wasn't that the ad? Look, I can tell you the main events of all those shows. I can't tell you the marketing campaign. Right? But yeah, they they fired up PCO, uh, which yeah. was good because he would take the, I want to say the most horrendous bump of the night, which yeah. we'll, we'll get to. Absolutely. Hey, fucking hell. And this is after he finally hit that sent on to like the ring apron and actually yeah. hit whoever he was trying to hit. Yeah, and he fucking hit him. Mm, <laughs> so the RH and IWGB tag titles, both on the line, uh, the Gorillas of Destiny, the uh, IWGB tag champs, the Ring of Honor tag champs, PCO and Brody King, uh, and the Briscoes and Sonata and Evil. I will say, I'm not mad about the the Gorillas of Destiny, generally speaking, but their new entrance and gear is cool. Yeah. they look, It's real kind of like, um, just looks big time. They have they have charisma. They have yeah. an aura. Yeah. You know, I will never, I, I think that... Um, they need to stay off Twitter, but they have an aura. Well, that's most wrestlers in general. Yeah. I think that Tamatonga's time uh, with him ever uh, ascending to that main event picture or as any kind of single star is, mm. is long gone. Yeah. But I definitely think that the presentation of uh, them as a tag team, top notch. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. Uh, this was kind of like the last match, but more in the, the heavy lumbering sense, mm. just an all out uh, war. Yeah, it's good. Not great, but good. And I enjoyed this. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, you know PCO and Brody King are uh, a surprisingly strong part of the, yeah. the Ring of Honor products at this point. Yeah. Um, I like. I don't know if there's anyone in a like a major company at the moment where I have a greater disparity between how much I generally enjoy them as a wrestler and how shite I think their look is than Brody King. <laughs> like just like fucking rinky-dink Alistair Black-looking guy just to look at in a photo or whatever. Yeah. Then he actually gets in the ring, you're like, oh, he's, like he's pretty good, yeah. you know? I, I don't know, like, the how long-term PCO is for Ring of Honor. Or <laughs> for fucking or mobility. Life, life in general. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, that, it definitely feels like kind of one of those things where they'll get a good year out of him and then it'll kind of yeah. run its course, yeah. I want to say. 
But he's the guy who you don't want, like, uh, you want him in big spots. Uh, oh, his specialness goes off. He was in a big spot here. Yeah, like, if he's week to week on Ring of Honor TV having matches, you will get tired of it very quickly. Because apart from those spots that he physically can't keep doing in every single match, um, apart from that, like, there's not a whole lot to it. No, um, but, sorry. The Judy, they pick up PCO and they have him in the old uh, shield powerbomb type yeah. uh, situation. And mm-hmm. they start aiming him towards the outside of the ring. <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking... Um, I was like, no, no, well, no, no. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, okay, so I, I couldn't see like who was there, but I was thinking, okay, someone's going to catch him and he's going to yeah. fall onto a bunch or of Or he's going to do, because he has done like Rana's before. It's like he'll reverse it and lamp fucking uh, Tango... It was a Tangaloa picked him up. Or was it Tamatanga? It was both of them. They both, they, they both had him up, yeah. yeah. So he, he like ran at them, they'll go over the top rope, and we'll be like, hey, that's not what happened. No. no. <laughs> um, instead, they powerbombed him outside the ring. Onto the floor, and like, threw him. Not like, let him fall gracefully. Like, he fucking slaps off the floor. And he just... One of the most uncomfortable landings I've seen in some time. Yeah. Uh, like he kind of went he went down in a folded sort of position and then just kind of like straightened out flattened out he exploded yeah he, he did <laughs> and then the fucker it tries is to true PCO is not human yeah and then he tries to sit back up like kind of take a style and I think there was a, a yeah and started laughing but I think there was an element of work and uh, kayfabe in there in terms of like you, there was a significant amount of pain going through his body at that time he did not sleep comfortably last night that's for sure I don't know if he fucking has slept comfortably in the last 20 years yeah um, just completely complete insanity yeah. um, but G&E they, uh, they pick up the win um, then we had our Enzo. and I I wonder because they yeah and then they had the whole Enzo casting and I imagine that um, with G.O.D primarily in New Japan, that the Briscoes and Enzo and Cass is going to be your kind of main tag thing for the moment until they drop the belts. Cool. Yeah, I know, right? Um, I don't want to talk about the Enzo and Cass thing anymore. We spoke about that earlier. It's... Fuck it. That's... That, that's pretty much it. It was trash. Yeah. Getting the bin. Next up, Red Pro British Heavyweight title match. Zack Sabre Jr. and Hiroshi Tanahashi. I felt bad for these guys. Because, like, going into it, they had kind of, like, mixed reception to the matches they've had so far. Like, people, you know, Alan is a high man on it, for sure. He's really loved their matches. A lot of people seem to think that they just don't click the way you would hope. And having to win back the crowd after being so monumentally distracted was an unenviable task, even for men as as good as, as Tanahashi and, and Zach. Yeah, we had it twice on this show. You had, after the, the women's segment uh, and the Buddy Ray segment, um, the juniors had to go out and pick things back up again. Mm. And then, yeah, again here. Now, if you're going to put anyone in the position to turn this around, Hiroshi Tanahashi is yeah. the fucking man to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, the once-in-a-century talent I know, is the right. man to go with. And uh, I enjoyed the, the full circle moment of Taka Michinoku back in the garden, presumably to get the teeth that were still embedded in the floor from when Boss Man threw him out of the rumble. <laughs> I completely forgot about and that. And Jerry Lawler spent half an hour calling him Chinese I, after that. I, you know what? Man lost half his face on the floor. You can't even not be racist for a minute, good man Lawler. I, I literally reviewed that show on this site like years ago with Rich and... 
I completely forgot about I the connection. I will never forget well, that, that moment. I did forget that, but I forgot the connection between Madison Taka being back in English yeah. That was would that probably be his first time back in Madison Square Garden since that happened? Because it was it was I like out of the house show, but probably yeah, yeah. Because it was like two years later he was gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it probably was. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, um, but it's a good match. It's very like, much. It yeah. wasn't like it wasn't the best match on the show. Um, it didn't need to be. No, um, I just shy of the four star mark for me. But I think that like, I mean, you wouldn't walk away from this thinking it was by any means bad. No, know? no, no. It was it was for where it was in the card. It was exactly what it wanted to be. It didn't like it got the crowd back on side with the wrestling. It didn't completely blow up the crowd as this big epic. Um, and it was good. Yeah, yeah. I, like I went just shy of four stars, as I said. On and like honestly, I I don't think now. I mean, the man will probably prove me wrong at some point, but. I don't think Tanahashi at this point has the physical capabilities to go out there and have, you know, a fucking full-on five-star match. I just don't think it's possible. No. If there's any man that's going to fucking prove me wrong, it'll be Hiroshi Tanahashi. Mm -hmm. But I would think that at this point, he knows his limitations and he's still a surefire bet to hit four stars. Like, he's too good to not get there. Yeah. Um, He can sleepwalk into the four-star range. Pretty much. With the right guy. Um, But this is... For Zach, I mean, Zach continues to be... Zach in a very peculiar position in uh, in New Japan, where he's kind of like... He's not top tier. He's not mid-card. He's in this weird... He's like the between... A2 tier or B1 tier. Sort of, yeah. yeah. But he doesn't even fit like into that part of the roster, because, I mean, for a start, he's the British heavyweight champion, and that, that's yeah. kind of the thing that they present him as and push him as. Um, so I don't know what their long-term plans for him are, um, I'd love to see Ring of Honor do more with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had him a final battle against uh, against Gresham. Gresham yeah. I, I really hope that they bring him back to do more stuff with him, even if it's just the occasional kind of one-off match. Big show, Zach comes in and wrestles a dude. Yeah. Um, I definitely think they could probably do him in Lethal at some point, now Lethal is under the belt. Yeah. But, I don't know. But this was good. The, the, do, do, like, do him and Marty before Marty is gone. Mm. He's got a couple of months left. They could have a big yeah. kind of... Um, they're busy mates, so... Yeah. That was actually a thing I was thinking about. The fact that I remember seeing those two... I think I was saying this last week. I remember seeing those two in a, a county hall in front of about 200 people. Yeah. And here's Zach and Marty in Madison Square Garden. It's, it's wild, isn't it? It's one of those things. Not to mention some of the venues you've probably seen Mark Haskins in as well. Like That's true. Uh, the, the end of this match, the uh, orienteering with Napalm Death. Yeah. I fucking love that move. Yeah. I love that move. Yeah. Uh, in terms of a submission that actually looks like it's... he's just pretzeled you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I can I can accept that Tanahashi at his age and his physical limitations would be in that move and be like, oh, you know what, fuck this. Yeah. It's not worth it. Um, I'm good, thanks. Tatsuya Naito and Kota Ibushi for the IWGP IC title match. Now, what I did like about this for a start was the the introduction package where the they were basically like dad, dad casual Naito not even just that but the the narrator was like look it's these two get the fucking hype up for this right? Yeah. this is going to be awesome yeah. um, but also yeah just the, the presentation of the pair of them was, uh, was amusing but also, by the way as it, I find it very entertaining that we're talking about this match now the closing stretch of the pay-per-view while in the background the Invisible Man versus Invisible Stan match is taking place <laughs> Possibly the peak of Bryce Ramsberg's career. Um, but, uh, 
but also I, I enjoyed that these two um, before in the package were talking about how they much how much they enjoyed wrestling each other mm-hmm. and the the reasons they pretty much give were well we really enjoyed killing each other you know yeah. uh, which I believe that of Ibushi and both of them like hugely putting over the importance of the intercontinental title which and is... what it means to them Naito wanting to hold both belts at once and um, Kota saying that like there's only two men he refers to as God and that's Nakamura and Tanahashi both of whom are famous in yes yeah. which is character development for Naito in terms of actually caring about the belt yeah because the whole thing is about how like he had a vendetta with the belt yeah yeah so I'm glad they actually have decided to try and put that part of the development of his character yeah. Yeah, and, that and story to... was well told but mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be kind of beaten up anymore also probably the budget they spent on replacing the belt over <laughs> and over again ah yeah they got the money they're alright yeah. uh, so these two killed each other the the Horikarana from the, the jumping Rana off the apron to the floor was ridiculous. Um, in terms of like now th- these matches with these two, there's never really anything um, that has like a story or psychology to it. But it's never they they never go out there and just have like a moves kind of match. Yeah. These two, I don't know, they just kind of have their own territory here where yeah. they're just like they're just trying to put each other away. Yeah. And it's just there's an escalation of the amount of crazy shit they do to try and put each other away. Yeah. You know, um, like it's it's the most kind of athletic aerial uh, aerial uh, fight. Yeah, I can think of these two. Because it doesn't seem cooperative in the no. way that a lot of those aerial aerial matches kind of do. Um, I also think a, a Trojan amount of work was done on commentary here to kind of color in the details on the story being told. Yeah. Um, like Kevin Kelly constantly building up the Kamigoi, like as as he said, the literal translation from Japanese is to surpass the gods, and he's like weaving that in with the idea of him seeing Tanahashi and Nakamura as his gods, and that he wants to hold that belt and stuff. Brilliant detail, mm-hmm. brilliant detail. Um, but yeah, just an utterly bonkers match. Now they didn't hit the the middle rope pile driver. No, they did. Thank- God, <laughs> they did. They did do the uh, kind of hanging middle rope German suplex, yeah. and Naito landed. Just spiked him, and then moments later, a poison Rana, <laughs> and Kota got spiked. I fear for these two in their forty. Well, yeah. I fear for Ibushi now. I mean, his neck's already fucking jacked. Yeah, and Naito. Sometimes you see that it must be quite uncomfortable. You have to do it sometimes, like. Under his knee pads, his uh, knees were substantially taped. Oh, they have been for a, a while now, so yeah. I'm not too surprised by that. Um, but Ibushi uh, hits the last ride, followed by the Kamigoye. Um, you you really enjoy the fact that he does the last ride, don't oh, you? Oh, it's the fucking best thing ever. Like, <laughs> I love the idea. But it's a of, sit like, down. It's yeah, a sit yeah, down a tiny little well. coat of Ibushi sitting at home watching his fucking bugger red tapes. Singing along to American Badass. They kind of big evil. Like, yeah. You know what? I, I love like an sit-down interview with Kota Ibushi. Where it's like, why did you get into the business? I was like, well, I was watching Judgment Day 2000. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, he's here. Fucking Booger Red came out. <laughs> the American Badass Kota Ibushi. It's, like it's so surreal. Like, uh, I love it. I love it. But most importantly, he is your new IWGB Intercontinental Heavyweight Champion. And it was time. It was time. Naito Naito needs the belt off him because we know what his destino is going to be. Uh 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 
Uh, and yeah, Kota, you needed to put you needed to put the icy title on him or do something substantial with him. Uh, now that he's kind of he's there for the long haul yeah. in New Japan, he needed direction and a good a good reign with this belt is uh, is needed. I think it's fair to say that they're not worried about him going anywhere else. No, so. no, and he like he has said as much himself now that he's actually happy in, yeah. in New Japan. He has seen kind of like his. His path goes through New Japan for quite a while. What a, what a, and hey, that's something you could do. You could have him. You could have Osprey go up and challenge at some stage and have, a, have that rematch. You should do, yeah. Um, for something for Osprey to do if he's not going to win the Never Title mm-hmm. back soon, mm-hmm. and that'll be the kind of the next step for Osprey to get him towards heavyweight, mm-hmm. just to get him in the IC division for a while. But anyway, Ring of Honor title ladder match: the champion Jay Lethal, Marty Scale, Matt Taven. We spoke about how he came to this match. We spoke about why there were issues with any man winning this match because of the type of match it was. Um, The match that this was also highlighted the the issues that I had that this is the direction they went with considering the pure athleticism and and sportsman type presentation of the match that came prior to this and the match that came afterwards. Is it too harsh to say that like I really didn't like the video package before this. No. Like, it was so run-of-the-mill. Mm-hmm. And, like, I I get the part that is probably... So, like, our local indie is OTT, which at the moment are, like... There's no indie producing the video packages. They are through the, the guy Sean Ryan. Um, and we've been treated to, like, the Walter Devlin video package. The uh, the, the Star Devlin the star one Devlin is the ones. fucking gold standard for a, an acting performance in a video package on the indies at the moment. Anyway. There's, there's no there's no package that will be better than that this year. Yeah, so, like, probably the bar is set too high. Um, but but I mean, it was so, like, I want to win the match because we're in the famous building and it is the famous belt, so therefore I want to win the match. Well, look, you, there was no... Stakes for me. There was no like by the end of the video package, I should be like fucking yeah. I should be behind somebody and be like, this is significant. You know, a Here's bit of thing. history Here's for the, the company. Um, you can't not put the fact that you're Madison Square Garden. So you, you're gonna go with that. I think the problem is that they they they've taken certain tropes from New Japan in their um, promo videos. Yeah. And one of the things that you get with pretty much all of the main title promo videos is that you get either man, um, either the champion or the challenger, sitting down somewhere just kind of just talking. Yeah. And you've got the music in the background, you've got the subtitles underneath. You yeah. know, it's it's standard kind of for, for what they do. But... But even within that, they have been creative in the past. They have, but also... I remember the... Do you remember the uh, the Kyle O'Reilly uh, Adam Cole one for Final Battle a few years ago that was really where he's like reading the storybook yeah, yeah, yeah. about how you, you will never beat yeah. me <laughs> but this the, the, the main problem with this is that you've got three characters you've got Taven who just isn't that interesting as a personality and his whole thing is I'm Matt Taven which at this point makes me just want to go I'm Matt Taven <laughs> yeah I, somebody pointed out it's like when the guy you're theoretically strapping the rocket to you had to give him a catchphrase where he says what his name is to remind you what his name is you've probably picked the wrong guy yeah um and god his music is fucking terrible anyway yeah. I uh Lethal is I like Lethal I don't think him in that kind of sit down type calm reserved sort of of, yeah. of interview is his strong point 
Um, he usually does a lot better when he's kind of like in front of the camera, kind of just channeling his macho yeah. Ric Flair I, type. I thing. also think maybe um, with this latest reign, at least, as Kikataro starts throwing chairs at Invisible Men on the screen, I also think the lethal should probably, rather than having like lengthy reigns anymore, should really be in the like the Tanahashi role of just like having some marquee matches two or three from the top and not being relied upon to carry world title matches on the regular anymore. Yeah, but just... Because not, not so much that his body can't hold up to it, but just more that like, in terms of the amount of fresh talent they have underneath that probably should come up, he's a bit of a spent force. Oh, not even just that, but just in terms of this, this uh, promo package, I just he's always been better for me when he's just standing in front of the camera channeling, he, channeling his old yeah. kind of like... 80s NWA WCW well, we were, we were in attendance of the Supercard of Honor in Dallas where he wrestled Colt in the opener remember mm. this and he came out and he cut a great promo mm. in front of, like dressing down Colt like uh, how beneath him Colt Cabana mm. is like brilliant yeah. but yeah as you said this kind of sit like it was just very dry yeah yeah uh, that's pretty much it and I think that just there's a, an emotional connection that people don't have for any number of these three uh, performers that you do have with a card, definitely a card. Yeah, none of the three of them are a unifying force no. uh, for the fans. But anyway, this match, um, this match went too long. This match was they. I, I cannot fault or discredit the 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 effort, the the work ethic that these three put in. Um, there were a number of creative spots. There were a number of spots that were a little bit contrived. But in terms of just them going out there and killing it to put on a, you know, the best performance they could do, I can't fault them for it. Problem is, is that A, on a show that was already far too long, this went far too long. Um, the crowd was with them at points, but they also lost them at points. Um, I, I just, I don't need to see anyone fucking take any kind of slam there was a couple of spots where people were falling on ladders in the way it was like please stop this you just don't need to do this anymore including a fan including a fan almost pretty much the the ladder was like so there was two ladders where they did the spot where the kind of one got stuck into the other so they were like an X they did a spot I can't remember what the fucking spot was with the, the ladders in the X shape but then whoever it was threw the... It was lethal throughout the ring threw it out of the ring and it bounced and the end of one of the ladders went into the front row and appeared to hit a fan uh, because the referees swarmed. Yeah, they're like, "Please don't see us!" And the, the fans were chanting, "That's a lawsuit," yeah. <laughs> which is like the most animated they got in that match. Um, I uh, I like Nicholas in commentary. I like Nicholas. All right, I yeah. I might be the one guy. I don't yeah, care. Might be. I like him. I like his presentation. I like how he presents so, himself. There was someone. I was Johnny slagged him off, and and uh, he was corrected that like he's actually pretty good on commentary. And I was like, yeah, well, what do you know? Uh, it's a surprise to hear Nick Aldis is more than passable at anything involving <laughs> professional <laughs> wrestling. I was like, oh, wow. I think it was Johnny. Um, but yeah, this match was like this was a fine match. There's, there's uh, it's not something you come away from going, ah, eh, no, this was no good. It was fine. But the, you know the, the biggest was, problem was that it was a ladder match in Madison Square Garden, so the bar was considerably higher than they were going to be able to deliver. That and just what it was bookended between, yeah, you know, and what the finish was. It'd be one thing if like it, it'd be one thing because you know, even though as I said, none of them are a necessarily unifying force. 
I think probably the most agreeable finish for people in that building would have been Marty getting his getting his win, getting his short title reign. Because he did inject, like, you know, he probably deserves it for injecting a bit of interest in Ring of Honor during his, his run. Um, Alright, yeah. so, they put the belt on Matt Taylor. They sure did. They sure did. And based on events earlier in the night means at some stage we're getting Matt Taven, Kenny King. I... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am... Which you can hear the review of on the Honor Roll podcast. <laughs> I am under the impression that oh, I'm fucking hoping yeah. that the television tapings... You are really, like, hoping for a lot off the back of this show. I'm, I'm really hoping at the television tapings that they do a change and this goes to, to Marty and... Alright, yes, we are aware that Marty, uh, his contract runs out, I think, in July. Yeah. I think is when that is. Um, that is still more than enough time to put the belt on Marty for a very short run to then move it on to Cobb or whoever else. Roosh, I would, would be my guess. Possibly. Um, Dear God, not Kenny King. <laughs> can you fucking imagine? After tonight, yeah. Oh, I can no. easily fucking imagine it, Mark. But, like, I don't mind Matt Taven, alright? I don't mind him. He And he really impressed me on the 17th anniversary show. Uh, and I think that he impressed a lot of people on the 17th anniversary show. By having an hour-long match that only got better the longer it went on. Yeah. He's just not that interesting. No. Alright, uh, it's... His whole color he was the least interesting part of the first version of the kingdom. His whole color scheme is purple, yeah. but he is as fucking vanilla and beige as he gets. <laughs> yeah, he really right? is. Um, and a lot of him being in this position is purely based on the mass exodus of town over the last five years or so. Yeah, uh, I don't think that is a bold claim to make. No. Um, yeah, he's better than Rectitus. Yeah. Alright. Tetritus. Tetritus. Which isn't saying much. Yeah. I'm watching this match, I got a fierce case of the Tetritus. Yeah. Right. I just I just hope that this isn't a, a long time reign, because I do you know what I don't want to see. It would be bad. Do you know what I don't want to see? I don't want to see a straight up rematch with him and Lethal. Yeah. You know? I don't think Does anyone wants to see that. There's a there's a there's a better than good chance that, that might happen. I but I'm just I, I, you know, like, stop having faith. Do like, you know, nothing about the Ring of Honor booking on this show gives me the faith that I actually do what you're saying. I actually want to see a Matt Taven Kenny King match because I want to see just what that crowd react, crowd reaction is going to be. Poor, like I would say, it is as close to an empty arena match of having people there as you can get. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So we'll see. The television tapings are next week. Um, I am. I'm. Praying that this is just a, a short title run. Yeah. I guess we will see. Finally. You will certainly see. Finally. I, I have the option to yeah, not see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, finally, Jay White, Kazuchi Kurkana, the IWGB heavyweight title match. Uh, I enjoyed that they have the, the champions role at the start. Yeah. And you see all the prior IWGB champions. And you were seeing or hearing the ones that were getting cheered, the ones getting booed. Lesnar got booed out of the fucking building. Yeah, yeah. Poor Bork Laser. That was very good. Uh, Omega uh, got a big cheer. Styles got a big cheer. White got a, a, a significant amount of booze. Um, this match. Well, what did you think of this? Oh, wait. You would know because you first uh, I, I, I watched some of it this morning. 
um yeah it was like this is what i was saying to you. i fell asleep during the the thing i didn't want i said when this match started to you as we were both kind of drifting in and out of sleep because it was quite late was that if ever there was a match that wasn't going to start in the and now this isn't i'm not like burying okada because okada is fantastic but okada's main event title matches sometimes have the we start off with the 15 to 20 minutes which is quite slow which is setting up things that will happen in the closing stretch which is amazing um i was like if ever there's a match that needs to be a sprint a rainmaker and a pin it's this because (laughs) i was blown up you were blown up lord fucking knows that madison square garden was blown up um and they had a Herculean task to, to win the the crowd back. Now, by all accounts, they did. And the right man won. But I think uh, as good as this match was on a mechanical level, I think just for me and the hour it was and how tired I was and the things I had been put through before, I don't think I enjoyed it as much as I would have if it was at the end of a very strong New Japan show that, or a much shorter show. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that if you were there live, you'd have probably been up for it. Yeah. Um, and they certainly did it. The crowd were hopping by the end of it. Yeah. It, when you're... Which uh, is a testament to both Okada and Jay White that after that ladder match and after some of the stuff Ring of Honor had put us through, that they managed to get that kind of reaction. Yeah, but when you're in Ireland at half four in the morning after watching four and a half hours of wrestling... <laughs> yeah, the first 15 minutes of this match were slow uh, but in that kind of methodical Okada style but it all builds up the the thing with an Okada match is you can't it's kind of like playing the witness Mm. you can't skip Mm. out on the first bit of it because you need that for the context of what comes afterwards Uh, I feel that's a real kind of niche comparison that a lot of people aren't going to get but fuck you (laughs) Um, but the thing with Okada is that however slow those first 15 minutes are what comes afterwards, you can't, you can't take your eyes away from. You know, yeah. the way that he transitions out of moves, the way he, like him in that kind of late sprint reversal um, encounter types of thing that he does, regardless of who he is, whether it's Omega, Tanahashi, uh, Goto, in this case White, yeah. he does it better than anyone else, and White was with him the whole way with this. Yeah, and the transitions between like the tombstones and the Blade Runners and just. this was so good Um, and I think it goes without saying that this was the right call to have a card win Um, I don't think that this hurts White in the long run Mm. Uh, his time is going to come as as Joe has said a number of times Alan said on this very show it's not the first run that people are going to remember it's the the second run as the baby face yeah so um, and I don't think and I think as well that so many people are not into White in this run because he is a surrogate for Omega. Yeah. That when his time comes the next time, it will be just... It will be his time next time. Yeah. So... It will uh, not be we we have to fucking, like, just pull the trigger because we lost our guy. And this is all in the the process of getting ready for Naito and Akada at the Dome next year. So I'm not concerned about any of that. Uh, But I think that... White's presentation, like his aura coming out, he felt main event to me. Yeah. You know? um, and again, just uh, the, the presentation and the production as a whole on this show was was top draw. So yeah, so that was the Madison Square Garden show. Um, overall, 
it was real fucking slow in the middle at points. Uh, I think that in terms of the winners and losers out of this, I think Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor is a whole loss. Yeah, yeah, New Japan won because it's like because they don't have Enzo and Kaz. They, they don't have the stink. Like the the thing they got out of it was Jeff Cobb as one of their champions. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, and it's just it's astonishing that. Ring so of Honor. said the fucking like state of the fact that they Ring of Honor can claim that with that show they sold out the garden yeah is fucking something isn't it? <laughs> but I really think that the the opportunity they had to uh, make a kind of big claim for you know we are we're here like uh, with uh, AEW on that same level yeah. you know the the, the uh, the opportunity they had to set out their stall as this is the chapter one of the new era of Ring of Honor, they fucking completely whiffed that chance. Yeah. They, and it is going to take a fucking a lot of matches with buzz to get eyes back on the product. Now, they have such an uphill battle. And I don't think Matt Taven's going to deliver. No, no. <laughs> it's, you're going to have to, like, really, the Ring of Honor television champion is now the most important champion in that company because uh-huh. he's the one most likely to have bangers going forward. Yeah, because you think about um, it, like, um, GD are tag champs, and they're fine, but they're not going to... Be on the weekly television program. No. Or... Uh, the Kelly, Kelly Klein... Is mm. Kelly Klein. Yeah. Um, Matt Taven. Matt Taven yeah. is Matt Damon. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's all on young Jeffrey at the moment. So good luck, Jeff. Yeah. We believe in you. Best of luck, buddy. Anyway, um, so that's that for this edition of the Honor Roll. Um, we will be back next week. We'll be likely just kind of starting the, the, the television uh, reviews and they'll probably be a lot shorter than these hour and a half <laughs> it sucked we'll see you next week <laughs> no no there'll be stuff to talk about but they're not going to go an hour and a half I'm not going to spend yeah. an hour and a half talking about an hour long show yeah um, so thank you for everyone that listened last week uh, for your feedback and reviews uh, on, on the show um, I hope anyone that is over in uh, New York is having a wonderful time mm-hmm. enjoy Wrestlemania um, although the show will probably be out after Wrestlemania is finished uh, we'll be dead by that point because we'd have watched so dead 12 hours of wrestling yeah. and uh, yeah we will see you again next time WCW Thunder Pod on Twitter oh yeah by the way yeah. <laughs> Dave, I plug your show I'm three sorry. times on our I'm show sorry. well it's, we're friends so yeah. it's weird so if you didn't have enough Plugs bad wrestling with the Ring of Honor <laughs> side of this super card uh, I've got the podcast for you every two weeks myself and Liam alone review a new episode of a WCW Thunder uh, on Days of Thunder, we're up to, I think, five episodes of Thunder and uh, one pay-per-view review on there. Um, so go check us out. Like I said, uh, episodes drop every two weeks. Uh, everywhere good podcasts are sold. Find the links at WCW Thunderpod on Twitter. Yeah. Cool. That's, that's me. And uh, when that Kelly Klein Velvet Sky match comes up, if you could just go ahead and forget my phone number <laughs> and where I live, that no. would be... I will be, be linking that to you. As I we said to you last night, I will literally fight you if we you try to get me back on for that. full rundown, move by move, of that match. Yeah, okay. Well, then you're watching Ready to Rumble when I do that in the, in the timeline. I will do that. Even better, do you know what? We should just let young Toby the Dog review that match. Yeah, well, that's his review. There you go. Cheers, yeah. Toby. So from us and Toby. All right. We'll see you next time. <laughs>